0: Welcome to the Oxygen Mask Podcast. If you are here as a parent or caregiver, educator, or grandparent, we are glad to have you listening. This program is geared for the autism parent, but we welcome and invite all who are drawn to be here with us. I'm Tara, and I'm your co-host, along with my partner, Beth. The title of this podcast, The Oxygen Mask, is based on a metaphor. Just as you are instructed on an airplane to put on your own mask before helping others, We believe we need to practice helping ourselves as parents so we can best help our
1: children. Hi, I'm Beth. At the beginning of each episode, we'll turn that metaphor, that symbol of an oxygen mask into a concrete practice. Pausing a few minutes each day to quiet our busy minds and breathe into our bellies provides a surge of stress-reducing neurochemicals. With practice over time, we actually build pathways in our brains that help reduce our stress response. So even if you hit play on this podcast about to enter multitasking mode, please take a moment of pause for yourself. Let's begin. Close your eyes softly and bring your attention to your feet as they contact the surface beneath them, rooting you to this moment. Roll your shoulders back. Let them settle in a strong, relaxed posture. Take a belly breath in through your nose, Feel the sensation of air in your nostrils, in the back of your throat. Exhale slowly. Notice your chest fall and your belly soften. Draw another deep breath into your belly. Envision the cool air swirling up across your forehead. Exhale, picturing the warm air going down the back of your neck and over your shoulders. Bring your attention to your face, your temples, your jaw. Take a final cleansing breath in. At the top of your in-breath, bend your elbows and softly place your hands on your hips. Exhale slowly, perhaps letting a smile curl the corners of your mouth. Hold this posture for a few seconds as you open your eyes. Again, welcome, we are so glad you're here.
0: Hello, and welcome to episode two of the Oxygen Mask podcast. We're really excited to have you here today. We got so much great feedback from our first episode, so we're excited to get started with today's. My name is Tara, and just to recap a little bit, I am a parent of uh, three teenage boys. My youngest one, Alex, has is 14 and was diagnosed with autism when he was roughly three years old. I've been a photographer. Um, marketer uh, book author all kinds of different hats and have done a lot of advocacy work with children with autism which has led me to creating this podcast today
1: hi i'm beth and i am a parent of two kids one who's six and another who's nine and is on the autism spectrum Uh, in my professional role i am executive director of communities engaging autism and that's an organization working to empower families of young children or newly diagnosed families as they navigate their journey. And um, I love the job and I'm glad that I got swept into Tara's creative tornado of, of <laughs> things she makes. This is so fun.
0: Yeah, we're having fun doing this together. Um, so today's topic is called their Listening. And we just really wanted to um, take a minute to talk about Um, how you talk about your child and understanding that they are listening when you are talking about them and and their diagnosis. So it really is important how you are presenting them to the world and also um, for their own self-esteem and their own um, um, Psyche, so I, I think it's one of those topics that we were talking about that we've come across often and and by no fault of anybody's but we hear parents you know, talking about the deficiencies or deficits that their child has while their child is standing right next to them, mm-hmm. and whether they are verbal and are capable of understanding, you know, those words or not, it's really important to not present them that way because it's it's just damaging. Um, and so, this isn't to like shame you or judge you if you've done this before because we have both done this yes. <laughs> and we've both encountered it. And um, but it's to kind of just regroup and take a pause and say, you know, when you know better, you do better. So we're bringing this to light today um, as a way of empowering you to become a better parent and be mindful of what you're saying about your child. Because the advocacy starts at home, right? Like if we're frustrated with um, only focusing on deficits in IEP meetings and things like that, we're the ones that need to bring those strengths forward and to be talking about our child in a positive manner and to be leading that charge. So that's kind of what we thought was important today.
1: And it almost feels like you have to be bilingual in some of these circumstances because a lot of the systems um, have to measure the, the developmental differences and the delays and the gaps, describe those, connect them to therapeutic intervention or goals, and that is how those systems work. And we have a different job as parents. We are building... Uh, family identity kids identities we the words we speak matter Um, and I I do remember feeling some like relief when we first started doing our evaluation process and because I really thought I just I think I said this before I suck as a parent like my (laughs) my child isn't sleeping at night like all of my other friends kids have started sleeping through the night Um, he's having big behaviors and those were really connected to struggling to communicate Um, and big outbursts that I just felt like is no one else was going through this that my friends with kids the same age Um, and then responding to like verbal requests um, he would just not respond in ways that I had expected so I was exhausted feeling kind of alone and pretty inadequate so it felt good to be like oh actually it's not me it's all this stuff going on with my son and that kind of set up a pretty unhealthy us, them mentality right,
0: (laughs) right yeah it becomes yeah yeah are you versus autism or whatever and, and that's not really healthy either so um, you know I think I've tried to do my best to be very mindful about um, talking about Alex um, to the broader world because obviously I've published a book and wanted to make sure that he was okay with the things I was talking about mm-hmm. and um, and having that book out in the world, I've also done some speaking and one of the opportunities I had was to go in and speak at his middle school to the entire middle school population and talk about what autism is and you know kind of the the admiration um, focused mindset that I come from and but I needed to use some examples of of Alex in my talk Mm -hmm. or at least I wanted to and but I sat down with him because he's in middle school and I didn't want to embarrass him in front of his entire you know student body Um, and so I talked with him about you know some of the examples I was going to give and some of them were the challenges that he had when he was younger But I wanted him to know that I was really proud of the way that he's overcome those challenges. And I wanted his peers to know that, too, and how hard he's worked Mm -hmm. in order to get to be where he's at. And um, I also wanted to use a couple of examples. Um, He's super persistent, which I know is not an uncommon trait for kiddos on the spectrum. Uh, but I wanted to showcase that because it's one thing to say he's persistent, but I wanted his peers to understand that that yeah. is a trait of autism that works well for him. When he was um, at swim practice, he had bonked his head with, you know, his his neighboring swimmer and because <laughs> they were swimming the backstroke. So, of course, you can't see where you're going. Conked head's pretty hard and was crying and upset and hurt. Um, and for most kids, they would have just gotten right out of the pool and be done, which mm-hmm. I offered to him. But because he really can't, not finish something—that's sort of one of his autistic traits. Um, he's like, "But mom, I have to—I have two more laps. Hmm. So it's two laps. You know, anybody else would have gotten out of the pool." And I said, well, you're going to have to stop crying and get back in the pool then. And he did. And I think every kid that was in that middle school uh, lecture was like, what? Like, are you crazy? I would have taken any reason to get out of the pool and be done with practice early. So, uh, you know, those are the sorts of things that I want to use as lessons in my speaking. Mm -hmm. but do it in a way that is respectful and celebrates, you know, who Alex is.
1: Right. Yeah. That's great. And so was he in that talk was he you were specifically talking about him? And identifying him yes yeah, yeah. Okay.
0: and you know in the one I had to give the talk several times but mm-hmm. um, the class that he was in I said and that's Alex in the back you know yeah. and he raised his hand and you know I talked with him about it beforehand but I still I mean he's a teenager so mm-hmm. he, in one ear and out the other so I think he was still a little bit surprised that I was you know using him as as an example but I asked him about it afterwards too, like this you know what did yeah. you think and he's like yeah it was cool mm-hmm.
1: So well even I feel like it's so much a process. This isn't some like consent like right form or something. This is a conversation that we have. And so now you're talking about your grown son and my mm-hmm. son's eight or nine now. Um, and we have these are little, sprinklings of conversations that we have and I'm really trying to be aware and gauging where he's at with things what does your son, what does Alex say about this project? Have this project yeah well
0: I mean he's super into YouTube and everything so I thought he'd be pretty jazzed about this but again you know it's like what mom does for work or whatever so mm-hmm. he was kind of like yeah whatever um, but I said you know I'm going to continue using your name and talking about some of the things that um, have well, we've gone through as a family mm-hmm. and you know, if you're not okay with that, I won't. And hes he was fine with it. Yeah. Um, and so I try to be mindful. I understand that he is only 14 and maybe doesn't have full grasp of, of that concept. But anything that I am putting out into the world, I, I want to feel good about that he may read or mm-hmm. understand in 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. Am I doing it perfect? No, but, you know, I am trying to keep that in mind whenever I am talking about him in a public forum because I don't want him to to resent that at some point right. so right. and he certainly is going to be capable of understanding all of that mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. whether he was three or he's 14 or he's going to be 25 you know right. at some point he's going to look back at what i did i hope mm-hmm. <laughs> and be proud of that and not um frustrated
1: with right. it so right yeah and i i also as i talk about things or write about some of our experiences i try to make sure it's um not too fresh. Like I think I need yeah. to have processed things or kind of um, worked them through the cranks and gears in my head a little mm-hmm. bit before I share. So that's one um, self-check strategy. Um,
0: yeah, that's yeah. a great thing to think about. Yeah, are you are, are you processing things because of stuff that you're going through, mm-hmm. or is it something that you need to um, share with the world that might be helpful with yeah. the world. Yeah,
1: right, right. So we're, we're having those little bitty conversations as we go. But um, thinking about that, like how we process things by, um, in so many different ways. I was going to tell a story about my aha moment around the topic for today of their listening. Yeah. Um, my best friend, uh, I was sitting with her probably six months into our early childhood home visits and things like that and trying, this was my first attempt to like encapsulate our learning about autism and what was going on with, with the different things we were pursuing um, for, in terms of therapy and support. And I remember sitting on the floor with her and I could, I was trying to describe Lucas and some of the things that we were seeing and I probably used phrases like he can't or he, won't or he doesn't he doesn't right these little um and so I just remember like desiring so much to be understood in that moment because we had had this tidal wave of information and stress and um her eyes just kind of glossed over and she got really distant and both our toddlers are sitting on the carpet playing and um she just kind of looked over at them and she looked back at me and I just kind of hushed after a while and she just he can hear us is what her response was Um, even if they can't respond like we need to talk as though they're listening and I just just froze really I didn't know what to do with that Um, and I've sat with it and carried it and really processed it over a long time and as I get truly honest with myself I feel like she was the check that I needed at that time even though what I really wanted was somebody to say oh my gosh this sounds so hard and right. man you are the perfect superhero parent for this child right. I mean I really this was me processing out loud a, a struggle and I didn't get that kind of default empathy response right. I got a Sort of well, and whole I think what's human response. Yeah, yeah, what's
0: really beautiful about that story, though, too, is you know, yes, she provided that check for you, but at the same time, like it's okay to need to vent those yeah. things out, but to do it in a healthy realm, to do it mm. in with a trusted friend or you know a spouse or a family member, whoever is kind of your inner circle and not in front of your child if it's stuff that you need to process through. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. because it's both, right? Mm-hmm. You don't want to just say, oh, I can never talk about my child in, in negative terms because mm-hmm. it is hard sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a parent, you don't know what to do, and you need that kind of support too. But just being mindful about how is that affecting your child right. along the way. Yeah.
1: And really carving out space for that to happen then because – Venting on the phone while the kids are in the living room or whatever. Right. Like, there's a lot of, I mean, this just spews forth when you're under stress. Yeah, I've like well, been there, done that yeah. for sure. Those non sleeping years. Yes. Like, oh my gosh. Like, yeah. yeah. So, yeah,
0: we're not, you know, coming from this of a preaching to you. Mm-hmm. We're just saying, hey, we've done this and it's not always been our best moments. Right. And so now that we know better, we're going to do better. So, yeah. um, but we really do feel like that that's it's one way that you as a parent can be empowered to make an impact in your child's life right because so much of this kind of feels out of our control sometimes and we're grasping at how can we make a difference and it's just it's as simple as that it's those little things Mm -hmm. and being consistent about it that will impact
1: your child in the long run Mm -hmm. i also think of i go back to the balanced diet phrase so for every you know as we go through processes and learn more about developmental differences and delays linking that descriptor to an asset and a strength that it reveals that it prompts that it's attached to like really being descriptive and saying those things out loud those positive things Mm -hmm. because those are how our kids come to find their strengths and and identities, really.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's kind of one of the things, too, I learned in the process of, of writing the book that, um, you know, it was one of the questions I asked all of the parents that were a part of the, the book. I interviewed them and said, you know, what lights your child up? Mm-hmm. And we never get that question yeah. as a special need mm-hmm. parent, right? So to ask that question and then, you know, have that kind of being poured forth, it really struck me that we need to have those kinds of conversations more often because mm-hmm. we kind of do dwell in the deficit model right mm-hmm. and and if we we want to change that conversation um, to strengths based like it starts with us so I think and I talk about this a lot. and so if you've ever heard me talk before, you'll you'll recognize this theme. but we've done a really good job in recent years of raising autism awareness. Um, and I think people are starting to become pretty dang aware of autism, right? Mm-hmm. Like we have a whole month for it. Um, there's all kinds of symbols and things, and we're we're pretty good about raising awareness. And I think that's a really good thing. It's opened a lot of conversations. Um, and I now now that the trend is to, move towards autism acceptance, which is definitely a step in the right direction because awareness kind of keeps everything at arm's length, right? Acceptance brings it a little bit closer, but I also feel like it's not quite enough that acceptance can sometimes imply tolerance And I don't want my Mm -hmm. child to be tolerated. I don't want any child to be just tolerated. I don't want to be tolerated. I want to be celebrated, right? Um, And so I think we need to start changing that conversation to admiration, autism admiration, and admiring those for the gifts that they bring to the world. And you as the parent need to point out what those gifts are. And you need to shift your perspective to see what those gifts are and be shouting that from the rooftops. Mm -hmm. So. Mm -hmm.
1: When I think of I haven't gone with the admiration that's new to me in meeting you but I think of like awareness connects to a history and at least in the United States of like a beware notion of oh you know the stigma around autism and um so that I'm glad that we've moved into acceptance and I do it definitely does put still the onus on the individual to be accepting of another right and honestly that is a huge human challenge right we're not built that way and so I hope that we can model and describe and use our words to really bridge and connect across to acceptance and admiration Um, there are some conversations that all autism parents have probably run into or many of them that are sort of conversational dead ends and we can pivot away from those. So I'll give you an example. I was at the park one time and this was early on just um, described, uh, said that my son was on the spectrum and um, one of the parents said, oh, I wonder what causes that. Do they know? I wonder what... And I just... I. I don't even know what I said, honestly. I think I've probably tried to politely end the conversation. It's a hard one to answer. Right. And, and there, it's not helpful. And so it's not helpful to me. I don't need to inventory um, all these right. things in, in, our, in our genetics and history and whatever. Um, but I wish I had, like now I have sort of more of a script in mind. Uh, one of them is like we don't spend much time thinking about that. But we have been building on his love of biking or triking or trains and legos stuff that people can still connect to and understand Mm -hmm. and that is that bridge across to this is
0: yeah it brings it back to the local level, the what's right in front of you, versus right. like, oh, what's this big theory and like, because there's no reason to get into. Like, right. Go go look it up. Right. I don't know. And it's an energy suck. for it us really as is. parents,
1: like, I'm not. Yeah, careful. I'm dealing my energy with there.
0: Right, dealing with my kid on the playground here. So,
1: right. <laughs> have you ever gotten the? I'm sorry, or kind of a pity response? Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, somebody, yeah, I don't even know what to say to that, too. Like, oh, I'm sorry. Um, I don't know why you're sorry. Like, Mm -hmm. it's just my kid, and I'm not sorry. Um, He is who he is, and I love who he is. So, yeah, but it is kind of one of those things that I think as humans we try to, um, it's a way to build empathy or build connection and Mm -hmm. you feel like this is the right response um to when somebody says hey we're dealing with this as a family oh i'm sorry
1: Mm -hmm.
0: okay (laughs) you know like maybe that's not quite the right thing to say but yeah bringing it back around to you know there's no need to be he's a great kid and um, we love him, and we yeah. just do things a little differently, and that's okay.
1: And we've got a bigger village because of it. Yep. Some, yeah. Some sort of, yeah,
0: yeah, so I think thinking about some of those things before they come up is sort of helpful, mm-hmm. you know, because you do get kind of dumbfounded by some strange questions sometimes. So.
1: Yeah, yeah. I feel like I'm glad. I, I'm one of those people, I think about what I wish I had said, like, oh, yeah. the next day or something, <laughs> I and all I the stay time. on it. So I've had enough of that where I... I think through some of those things. One thing that I'm still stumped on um, that we've experienced is pediatric therapy waiting rooms. Like we talk about this conversation that we're having today and I just feel like the norms of privacy and disclosure are sort of blown sometimes because we have these debriefs in the waiting room where we talk about what we did in therapy and how it went and that's my chance as a parent to name hey you know we're really struggling with keeping our hands to ourselves in the hallways at school or whatever and that just is a lot of information out in the public?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, those waiting rooms are generally not um, quiet. <laughs> they're usually pretty crowded. And yeah, I remember um, his Alex's early intervention center that was the norm to, you know, do the transition at the end of the day. here's here's your kiddo and here's the kind of day they had. Yeah. And if there were any challenges, they got brought up right there in front mm-hmm. of um, him and and any number of people waiting, right? Yeah. And so it is kind of an awkward. Um, Thing And I understand it, though, because we do, I don't want to say, oh, I don't want it to talk about his day Mm because I want that feedback loop. But maybe there's a little bit better way. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we're, we would love some feedback on this if anyone else has experienced this and what you think about it. And, you know, certainly you can speak up and have those things changed. But it was just something that struck us as we were talking about this topic. Like, yeah. How do we expand that to not just how we talk about our kid, but how others talk about our kid? Right,
1: right, and it's especially hard in those spaces where we're kind of translating across. And I think um, when you feel confused or uncomfortable in a situation like that, I think the sooner in the recently I kind of named it and said you know I'm just really not comfortable as he gets older especially right with debriefing in the waiting room can we debrief in the back hallway or something like that and that was definitely accommodated and it was just a tender time for us so I felt like I'm gonna speak speak up about it so right right yeah because
0: sometimes you do need to have frank conversations and maybe that's not very helpful for Mm -hmm. to do that in front of your your child so
1: and those email follow-ups I'm not so good
0: at them (laughs) honest (laughs) who has time for that (laughs) yeah so we would love to hear some more feedback from you particularly on that last question or even any other situations that you might have come across where you know like oh maybe this this kind of a light bulb went off for you and and maybe you're going to change some of the ways that you act or react or um, maybe some weird questions that you've had before we'd love to just
1: what were your pivot points yeah (laughs) how
0: did you pivot out of some of those awkward questions we'd love to know because we're learning too so Um, again just thank you for joining us and we're loving all the feedback we're getting so keep it coming
1: and we'll talk to you again soon we invite you to sit with or walk kid chase drive or snuggle up with today's conversation in the back of your mind did you find kernels of joy or reassurance where did you feel some
0: resistance let us know so we can learn and grow together. You can comment and subscribe to the podcast at www.cea4autism.org. thats the number four, autism.org. This is Communities Engaging Autism's website. Share the podcast with members of your village to strengthen those essential connections. And above all, please secure your own oxygen mask before helping others.